1: Patricia, and with me
0: today is my co host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Patricia, and hello out there, difference makers. Today we have a special guest. Jarell Caraballo is a licensed therapist and co founder of Viva Wellness, a wellness practice located in Brooklyn, New York, which offers mental health counseling and holistic health services. Could you tell us a little about yourself?
2: Sure. Define uh- yourself? Yeah. First, just thank you for having me. I appreciate being on your podcast and all that you both do to like advance conversations. I think it's so important to have these kind of forums to talk about real things. So I'm really happy to be here. But yeah, um, I'm a licensed therapist. A couple of years ago, I co-founded this holistic wellness company called Viva Wellness. We offer therapy. Uh, we have nutritional counseling. Uh, We do sort of like different kinds of coaching services, health coaching, helping people live healthier, better lives. And, you know, for me, uh, such a big, important part of my work is being able to help people who look like me, I'm a black man, become invested in mental health and wellness and be able to have real conversations about feelings and and learning how to, learning yourself more and, and learning how to care for yourself better. I live in New York City and I've been here for I think it's been oh, it's almost 12 years now that I've been here, originally from North Carolina. So if sometimes you hear a little bit of a draw come out, there's a little bit of left over there here and there. But yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here.
0: Cool. We don't mind a draw. You can hear mine very <laughs> <Yeah>. I, well. <laughs> I
2: appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, you know, in New York, it's kind of tough, right? Sometimes I let it slip out and they're like, oh my, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs>
0: Well, you seem like you are really in tune with yourself. Were you always that way or did something shape you to become that way and pursue mental health?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, I don't know. I I think I was born a very sensitive person. And by that, I mean, I think I, I naturally feel things very intensely. So for me growing up, you know, I, I was described as sensitive and that's not generally such a good thing for a young black boy to be. And so for me, like my path to exploring mental health started really with just like this desire to understand myself more and make sense of like my sensitivity, like the emotions that I do have. The anxieties I experienced. You know, it's, it really just started. I'd always been reading things because I was just a voracious reader as a young kid. And it wasn't until high school that I was actually exposed to, like, formerly exposed to psychology, where I took this college level psychology course. And I had this teacher who was just so weird. And she was like this, a white woman from the local community college. She was so weird. And it was the best because it showed me that, you know, there was an application for being able to support people, being able to be yourself and to be creative and and better the world around you. And that's really what led me to fall in love with psychology.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. You spoke of mental health as it relates to Black people. Are there any mental health disorders more prevalent in Black people than non-Blacks?
2: Well, I think, uh, I guess if I were to answer that really plainly, yes, Mm -hmm. but the real answer is not really because one diagnosis of like mental illness is a very flawed system. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just, just in general, it's a flawed system. And so people get diagnosed with incorrect things all the time. People don't get the right treatment all the time. And, you know, just to keep it real is that there's a lot of bias in the medical system. And even in the field of psychology and therapy is it's sort of built on this very particular experience. And so we see if you just look at the statistics, you would think that black people suffer from schizophrenia more. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's true in some instance, but you also have to think about well, the the context in which we live. In, in the world and in the country we live in, um, why is that? You know, Why is there a higher incidence of that diagnosis in this particular group of people? Mm-hmm. And then you start thinking about it and it's like, well, people who later are diagnosed with schizophrenia tend to come from backgrounds where there might be a lot of poverty, there might be a lot of high criticism in the family unit, might even be abuse, maltreatment. And then those people don't get early access to care. So then you think about like, oh, racism, classism, all these things affect the health of black people in different ways than it does white folks and other people. And when you have those factors come together and you don't get the right care, you know, it could turn into something that was actually preventable. So there's not anything inherently about black people that makes them more prone to schizophrenia, but it's really about this environment and and what we subject people to that makes people suffer with certain conditions in in different numbers, I think
0: I love your answer. I have a personal experience with that in my family with mm-hmm. schizophrenia, but also I have a background in psychology as well, not clinical,
2: yeah, great,
0: and I saw this picture recently It said we need to we need to dig deeper, and it had all these things below the shovel, like injustice, racism, mm-hmm. oppression, poverty, neglect, and you touched on that. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways someone who is interested in receiving help can receive the adequate help? How can they kind of interview a psychologist or psychiatrist to see if they are a good fit?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And like, there's just so many things to think about. It can be a, a bit of a complicated question as we are just talking about, you know, the the different factors that can lead someone to really be struggling, right? So that also impacts what access people have, right? Like, do Mm. they have insurance coverage that they could use to pay for therapy and and psychiatry? Do they have, or do they have the finances enabled to get them that sort of support? So, uh, I mean, those are different things to talk about. But I think, you know, if you get to the point where you say you do have the means, um, I, I think that, There are a lot of ways that you can go about finding someone to work with. I think the best, the tried and true best way to find like a good therapist, a good psychiatrist is if you happen to know anyone who has a good recommendation, because there's nothing better than having a referral from someone that you know, or like, you know, a, a friend of your cousin or whoever who says like, oh, yeah, I've been seeing this person. They're really good. It's been so like he's really good or she's really good. That's usually when you get the best like match because those, you know, that person knows you and they know what might be helpful to you. And they also had that experience. Aside from that, I think it's about finding someone that you're comfortable with. And so a lot of therapists will offer like a quick phone call, like maybe 15 minutes or so before you ever have your first appointment. And if they don't communicate that on their website or, or wherever you find them, Whenever you reach out, always ask about that. Say like, Hey, can we just have a quick consultation so we can just feel each other out a little bit? And that's a good time to ask questions. And so depending on what you're showing up with and what you're seeking help for specifically, you know, you can ask specific questions to that. But I think I always encourage black folks in particular to say, what's your view on racism in therapy and psychology? Have you worked with a lot of black clients before? What do you think has been the biggest challenge with that? What do you think is, um, how do you work with black clients? And is that different than how you work with other clients? And I think that you'll learn very quickly how this person responds, you know, by how they, by how they respond, you'll learn sort of their comfort in talking about those things that we talked about, like with the impact of discrimination and racism and classism and all of this stuff. I think, I think it's good to throw that out there whether the person you're looking to meet with is black or not, because everyone is very different. And I think that's the best you can do to arm yourself with the knowledge to feel comfortable when you actually sit down in that room.
0: Wow. Wonderful answers. I hope you guys listening are taking notes. I'm going to pass it to Latricia because I know you have some great questions as well. Thank you so much for those impactful strategies. Yes, thank you. This is so great.
1: <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to bring up when you mentioned all of the different circumstances that prevent black people from getting therapy mm. or that create certain diagnosis, I was thinking how a lot of times in the black community, Black people are taught to suck it up and drive on, or I guess that's more of a military term, to suck it up and drive on. (laughs) Black people are taught to never let them see you sweat. Mm -hmm. And you just go out looking like a million bucks on the outside, but on the Mm -hmm. inside, you're really suffering. And another issue in the Black community is the church. People think that, oh, all we have to do is pray everything away. Well, Mm -hmm. just pray. Just go to God. Take it to Jesus. Mm and a lot of times I think that hinders us from getting the treatment we need. Yeah. And I wanted to know what are the consequences of not getting treatment mm. when you have a pathological issue? Because I want to also talk about seeking treatment for non-pathological right.
2: issues. Yeah. Uh, and I think, well, here's what's interesting about that distinction though, too, is that like, if gone untreated or unsupported, non-pathological issues can become pathological um, and can become very disruptive. Uh, You know, I was just talking to someone earlier, they deal with anxiety and it started to manifest at work because their boss was such like a difficult person to work for. So this person started having panic attacks at work because like the pressure was so much and they went untreated for a while and it actually got worse. So. Uh, you know, the panic attacks got more frequent, the anxiety got more frequent. And so they found themselves unable to actually get to work. So then you get into a situation where your job is at risk because you're not showing up and no one knows why. And so then if, what if you lose your job, then you lose your income and then your housing is disrupted. Then your livelihood is disrupted and that makes everything worse. And so I think the idea is that any, it's never too early Right. Like it's never too soon to try out therapy because you could really be preventing something really bad from happening. And I know that we have this stereotype in black community to, like you said, sort of like just suck it up. Like it's, it's all good. But the reality is, is that like we're people too. You know, we come from this long, rich history of resilience, but that doesn't mean that we haven't suffered. And that we aren't suffering now, you know. Just because you know our ancestors were able to, you know, survive some things to get us to where we are today, many of them didn't survive, right? Many of them didn't make it through whatever the difficult episodes they were experiencing. Um, and maybe some of that was attributed to mental health, but we didn't have the language for that then. And so, you know, we are people just like everyone else, and I think we all need a space to be able to talk about our feelings, our vulnerabilities, and to get support, you know, and therapy working with a licensed therapist is the best chance you have at getting real mental health support. And that it doesn't mean that you can't go to church and you can't get support from your pastor. But I think most people don't understand is that so even if you do talk to your pastor, they're not licensed therapists, they might have taken coursework in their divinity school But that coursework sometimes can only look like one course on mental health, right? And so, it's when you get work with someone who is a licensed therapist or a psychologist, is that you're getting a very different experience and a lot different and more comprehensive training. But you can have both. You know, you can have Jesus and a therapist. You can have a pastor or minister and a therapist. There are different skill sets and you know different benefits from each person that you could potentially get support from.
1: I love that you can have both. Sometimes we live in an either or type of mindset when Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. You can have both. Yeah. I love, I really do love that.
2: Yeah. You just need to have someone who's like, if you work with a therapist, like you want to make sure you have someone who understands that you have this religious or spiritual life that's important to you. And you know, that they should respect that. And if they don't, then that's not the right fit for you. But yeah, you can absolutely have both because they both offer different things. So it doesn't have to be either or.
1: That is wonderful. I totally agree with that. And I was thinking about what you said about how non-pathological issues can turn into pathological issues. You can have daily stress and not think of it as, a decline in your mental health so I'm glad you said that because actually I, I really wasn't even thinking on those terms I was just mm-hmm. thinking what I was thinking is that sometimes we need the support of someone outside of our friend group or outside of mm-hmm. our family group to talk to about issues that aren't diagnosed so mm-hmm. it's, there, there's no diagnosis associated with it but maybe mm-hmm. you're just going through some things and you need to talk to someone and I think a lot of times people associate therapy with mental health issues. I'm right. not crazy. Ain't nothing mm-hmm. wrong with me. I'm not going to see <laughs> no strength.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I often say to people, like any new client that comes to me, who's like new to therapy, which I'm, I'm actually glad that I, I get that a, a fair amount because it's, I think it's so important to introduce people to therapy properly. And I always say to people, I was like, at the end of the day, this is just an experience of you sitting in a, in a room with me to have a conversation. You're bringing all of your experiences, all of your knowledge about yourself, all of your expertise in your life. I'm bringing my experience. I'm bringing skills and training, and we're going to work together to figure out where you want to go and how to get there. It's just a conversation, and I think people do go into it thinking like, oh. I don't want the therapist to think I'm this or I'm that, or they're going to think my mom is this or my boyfriend or girlfriend is this. And, you know, they fear a lot of judgment. But like at its best, therapy is the space for non-judgment. It's the space where you can show up however you show up and that's okay and that's valid and you'll find your pathway.
1: Beautifully said. Beautifully said.
2: Thank you.
0: You spoke earlier saying that we are a very resilient group of people and there have been some horrific things that happened in the past. But even as recently as 2020, there are still things happening in the medical field. You touched on the medical field. And also, as it relates to social justice, Mm -hmm. for me, I view this as a form of trauma because I stopped watching the videos a few years ago when I started having nightmares about the video I saw of an unjust killing of Philando Castile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's traumatic. And I really think about black men and have so much empathy for them, not only being told constantly that they're thugs but, or they're deadbeat dads, but also witnessing mm-hmm. all these traumatic events what can black men do? I want you to speak specifically to black men, but yeah, um, what can black men do to manage this stress or trauma that comes from being a black man?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're you're identifying it as trauma because it absolutely is. Um, and even if you don't experience, you know, that kind of violence directly. Right. There's something that we call in the field vicarious trauma or secondary trauma. Which is it can be horrifying to watch videos of people like you getting killed, to see the brutality that black men face uh on Twitter, you know, first thing in the morning. Um, and you know, that's what happened that actually what happened to me when Ahmed Aubrey's case finally got some steam, right? It's like I woke up one day, gone on Twitter, and there was a video. And we don't need to watch those things. We, we, can, don't. we don't need to watch those things because that's actually, that is traumatizing. And what's actually scarier um, than just a moment of trauma in and of itself is that it also makes us desensitized to it. And, you know, people talk about, Oh, I watched it a couple of times. And I, I saw this and I saw that. And I think you don't even know what's happening for you internally when you do that, right? You're contributing and exacerbating that traumatic stress because Each time you see a video like that, each time you hear a story like that, because that person is close to you and how you see yourself, your brain processes that you are under the same threat, that that same fate could happen to you. And while that objectively is potentially true, you don't have to make it worse by continuously watching this happen because it's like seeing a version of yourself dying needlessly, senselessly. And it can produce things like nightmares. It can make you more anxious or very vigilant when you're out in public. You know, this is taking place right now as we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm wearing a mask over my face and I'm a dark skinned man. I am so conscious of how people see and perceive me now, especially so they can't see the bottom half of my face. They can't know that I don't mean them harm because they can't see me if I'm smiling. Right. And so. I think for Black men in particular, I just want to say to anyone who's listening is that whatever you're feeling is valid. It's okay for you to feel fear. It's okay for you to feel anxiety. It's okay for you to feel depressed. It's normal to feel all of those things. And the best thing you can do is just to start there and just to say, like, ask yourself, what am I feeling today? What am I feeling as I watch this video? What am I feeling as the news is playing in the background? Because I think once you start to pay attention and once you're honest with yourself, you could then ask for and get the support that you want, right? You can't tell someone, oh, I, I need to just, like, I'm, I've been feeling scared every time I go out to buy groceries. You can't get support if no one knows that. No one can reassure you. No one can do other things to support you if they don't know that's what you're feeling. And so it's important to understand that everything that you feel is valid. Emotions are never wrong, I think that's what we get a lot wrong a lot is that we think, oh, this emotion's negative. It must be bad. Emotions are just information. So the fact that you're feeling angry means you feel that there's been an injustice. The fact that you feel sad is because you're mourning and you're grieving. The fact that you feel worried is that you don't want the same to happen to you. It's just information. And so let's just listen to ourselves and see what we can learn.
0: Yes. Yes, that is so true. And as you were speaking, I thought about what you recommended earlier. One way to find a good therapist is to talk about it. And I know there's some families who shun the idea of therapy, but how many more people just in their family they could help? that have Mm -hmm. experienced the same things. So I'm glad we're having this conversation with someone so qualified and articulate (laughs) because we need to have more conversations and know how to deal with things in a true definition of what an emotion is. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: And I'm so grateful
1: that you are validating these emotions, letting people know that it's okay to experience these different emotions and When Phyllis was asking you the question and you were answering it as it pertains to men, I thought about what you said earlier about how you have always been a sensitive man and Mm -hmm. that that wasn't acceptable in the Black community. In the Black community, oftentimes men show emotions, but not the emotions that people think of as sensitive, more the anger and the aggression. And that's what people usually attribute to black men. And, and oftentimes I think it's because of all of the other emotions that maybe they don't know how to express. Yeah. I was thinking, as we talk about this trauma and the Ahmad Arbrey case, there is another case. It seems like things are just compounding with COVID-19 and how black people have been treated surrounding that, about going mm-hmm. to get treatment, about getting testing. The Breonna Taylor case, the case in Wilmington, North Carolina, where this mob came and bum rushed this black family. It's just all of this compounds on top of each other. It's like the trauma never ends. So, how do we heal from never ending trauma?
2: (laughs) You know, that's a great question. And I was actually asked a very similar question just a few days ago. And um, I'm afraid I don't have a really good answer. Because I think it's one thing to heal ourselves, but it's another thing to recognize that there's healing that has to take place in the bigger culture and society and the country. And if you're living in a sick environment, it's hard to be healthy. But what I always recommend to people and what I say is that the ways that we can heal, we have to really scale down to ourselves and to our immediate environment, right? So you know, how do you heal within yourself? Like what helps you feel safer? Does that mean watching videos less? Does that mean having these kind of conversations with people? I find this very healing, right? Does this mean, you know, engaging, using whatever skills you can to cope, like what things bring you joy? And that helps you feel a little less worried, a little less fearful, a little less angry. Use and lean into those things. Use and and lean into your immediate community your your friends your family the actual place that you live in and your community you know those are ways we can work in those pockets to heal i think in some really powerful ways and you know at the same time as a whole we as a country we have a lot of work to do and we have to heal in that way too
1: yeah i think it is important to have community and to be able to talk about these things i know i saw something earlier today that had me upset. And I was able to talk it out with my husband. I said, we're having this podcast this evening about mental health. And I want to talk about this now, because if I try to talk about it on a podcast, I'm going to be too upset. And I want to share this with you and mm. Phyllis and tell me what your thoughts are. There's this NFL Players Coalition. And the, I guess the president or founder is a black player named Anquan Bolden. And they had sent this letter to Georgia about the Ahmad Aubrey death, and they wanted the state to investigate what happened. And they had 72 players to sign this letter. One of the players was Tom Brady. After this, it started becoming about Tom Brady. So now all of the tweets are, Tom Brady signed this letter, Tom Brady signed this letter. And it bothered me because I was thinking the majority of these players are black. But here the one white player who everyone considers the GOAT, he signs it. So now it matters, which it makes me mad because it again goes to show how black people are so devalued. That's Mm. how I saw it. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just sensitive at this time.
2: It's not just you. Right. I'm so glad that you said that just because I think it speaks to the feeling that we often have individually when things like this happen. Right. Is that like our one of our initial responses is to question ourselves. And so that's another thing that we can all do is to stop questioning ourselves. Right. Is to say, like, this is a problem that this thing happens. And then Tom Brady becomes the story. He's not the story. And and I think we, we have to recognize that, you know, there would be no civil rights, there would be no Colin Kaepernick, there would be no, um, none of these current movements without the work of Black people who are on the ground everywhere. These are the people that are really doing the work. The unfortunate reality, though, is that to affect change, especially in the United States, I mean, this is not exclusive to the United States, but... Um, we do need white folks. And because white folks listen to other white folks, (laughs) right? And because we've been doing this work for a while, our ancestors have been doing this work for a while and we've only gotten so far, right? And so in order to produce some of the change, like we do have to have white allies talk to their people and say, we need to be paying attention to this. We need to be addressing this. We need to learn how to be anti-racist. I think that that should not be the story that Tom Brady signed this letter. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this is America. So that doesn't surprise me that that's how that goes. You know?
1: Yeah. And I guess that's the thing that I ended up saying to my husband when it was all <laughs> said and done is like, this shouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But you're I, right. We need everybody to be in on it.
2: Because it impacts everybody too. Yeah. Right? Racism impacts everybody. And You know, unfortunately, and this is true around the globe, is that like darker skinned people around the globe are devalued and seen as less than, you know. But I think for black people in our country, you know, it's really hard to consistently just be bombarded with death and this kind of news. And, you know, I think that we're all trying to do the best that we can. And, um, you know, sometimes that doesn't look nice. And that's okay. That anger is valid, right? That anger is information. That sadness is information. And it really just, it's up to us to figure out what we want to do with that. And there's no right answer to that, but it's just, that's where our choice lies.
0: And I am with you, Jor-El. We do We do need more allies or acknowledgement of it. I'm not a football fanatic, but I did know who Tom Brady was. And I remember <laughs> reading an article and it said Tom Brady and 70 other players. Oh, I just kind of chuckled at it like, oh, okay, who are the other people?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: But um, I'm hoping that what happens is we still feel that we're worthy, yeah. even if no one else cheers for us.
2: Yeah.
0: We still have to do our own cheering sometime.
2: Absolutely.
0: You gave us so much great information, and if you don't mind, if you were to leave the audience with a positive action to take, what would it be? Hmm. One
2: positive action to take. Um, I don't know. I'm I've recently just been in this space of because there is so much going on that isn't positive. Mm-hmm. right? Like this week, personally, I've just, that's the space I've been in. I'm like, man, this has been a rough week. I think the one thing I would say to people just as a small kind of aside is like today, as we're listening to this, just take a moment to think about one thing that is going okay. One thing that you can appreciate and just be present with that, even if just for a moment, because sometimes that moment can be so helpful and so powerful, especially in the midst of so much difficulty in the world right now. So I would say, give yourself a moment today. uh, Just be present with something that you can, that you appreciate, something good that happened, something tasty you ate, some good conversation you had, some good podcasts you listened to, right? Mm -hmm. Like just take a moment to appreciate and be thankful for that one experience. That won't change everything, but maybe it'll give you a moment. And sometimes that moment is good enough for now.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You have helped broaden my horizons on mental health. So I'm sure there are other listeners who would like to connect with you. Could you give us your website and the best social media handles for you?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So if anyone is interested in following sort of what I do and, and what my company does, you can visit our website at vivawellnessnyc.com. Um, you can learn about all of our services, what we do, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at vivawellnessnyc. So we, we see clients in the New York area, but we also have some resources on our site that are free. Some are paid of ways that you can take care of your mental health and take care of your wellness. We always drop those tips and good bits on um, our Instagram as well. We also have a podcast too. If you're interested in hearing me and my friend and co-founder talk about mental health, wellness, we have interviews, all that sorts of stuff. And you can find us on iTunes and Spotify at the Viva Wellness Podcast.
0: Thank you so much for your time. VivaWellnessNYC.com. Please visit that website.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It has been such a pleasure having you here today.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. I appreciate you both.
0: Same here. We
2: appreciate you.
0: (laughs) Well, I enjoyed talking to Jarell. I was over here on mute, but I was snapping my fingers and doing an ugly church face. Amen. And he even left us with a principal challenge. So I'm still going to pass it to you, Latricia, but I think you're only going to put a cherry on top of it today.
1: Yes, that was an amazing principal challenge. So I just want to echo those sentiments and to take a moment and just focus on something positive, something meaningful, and to add the cherry on top, write it down somewhere so that you can go back and reflect on it later. And when you do your principal challenge, add the hashtag Viva Wellness NYC. Let Jarrell know that you took on his principal challenge.
0: Thank you so much for our next section. Open your eyes, ears, and mind as we spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. We focused on Black men more during this section. Black men, we want you to know that you are loved and we see you. We see the true you. Our principal challenges will all be based on uplifting black men. Jonathan Hines, a pre-K instructor at Barack Obama Elementary School in Atlanta, is recognized as Georgia's first black male teacher of the year. He was recently surprised by the Today Show. They surprised his school with $45,000 worth of school supplies. Speaking of Barack, Barack and Michelle are separately participating in many high school and college graduations. This includes Show Me Your Walk, the HBCU edition, and Dear Class of 2020, presented by YouTube, leading the way still in encouraging graduates. Our third good news is Torrance Burson. Torrance Burson is the father of Gabrielle Pierce. He refused to let Corona interfere with his daughter's graduation ceremony. His daughter, a graduate of Xavier University, walked the stage set up in his driveway. The ceremony was complete with a stage procession, invocation, national anthem, and the conferring of her degree. Black fathers, we see you. This concludes our good news for today. soul snack put that cherry on top i got confused so our soul snack for today our soul snack for today comes from an african proverb
1: and it says you have to heal the wound before it ignores the medicine that's our show for today until next time expand your
0: minds and impact your communities thanks for listening to Living the Principles Podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.